I can't see a thing that's changed But I sure as hell don't feel the same You're still young, don't get caught up in all the mistakes you haven't made Okay, welcome everyone. Thanks for being here for episode five of Don't Look Down. Uh, my guest today is a 25-year fitness industry leader. He's an international fitness presenter. He is a life change agent, a husband, and a father of three boys. He spent years trying to figure out a proper work-life balance um, before realizing that what he was really looking for was uh, just life balance. I have had the pleasure of training with him of learning from him and have been sparked into very meaningful conversations over the last few years with him. Welcome to the show, Matthew Tope. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Such a pleasure to have you. Um, so with both of us having quite an extensive career in the fitness industry, uh, you would think that that would be the direction that we're going to go with this conversation. But what we decided was that we would talk about something a little more familiar to a lot of people and also uh, for reasons that we'll get into during the, the interview, very dear to your heart with regards to family. So let's talk about family and let's start by you. Tell me a little bit about your family. All right, my family. So I've been married for 17 years now. Uh, Felicia, also uh, a trainer. We had actually met at the gym. Uh, my joke for a long time was I was her boss and now she's mine. Um, we've got three incredible kids, uh, you know, uh, two, uh, two teenagers, a 10 year old, just living the life of, you know, sports and activities and trying to be the best parents we can be. And that's, you know, my family is, is extremely important to me. You know, we've had our ups and downs like everybody does uh, and trying to figure it out. You know, just last night I said to my, my oldest, listen, you may not like all of our decisions. And when you're a parent, you can not do those. You know, we all know that when he gets to be our age and be a parent, he will do it. <laughs> I said the same thing. So. Yeah. yeah. Words they always hate hearing. Stop telling mm -hmm. me when I grow up. But, you know, yeah. they'll remember it. <laughs> um. So as I do before I um, schedule an interview with someone is we always do a pre-conversation. So it's an opportunity for us to get to know each other, reconnect, um, you know, decide on a direction that this interview is going to go. Um, and one thing that I asked you and I thought it, it led into a really great conversation was one phrase that we hear people say often with pride when they talk about family is family is everything. My family is everything. Family comes first. So when I say that to you, what does family is everything mean to you? All right. So family is everything. It's such a loaded cliche, right? Like we all, like I said, everyone says family means the world to me. Family is everything. What it really comes down to for me, for family is everything. And I learned this years ago through a, a mentor of mine is having you know, your, your family statement or your mantra, I guess, of 
you know, will my decisions that I'm making affect and how will it affect my family, right? So family is everything. The choices I make, however they may affect them, really comes down to my family is everything. So if I'm offered a job in a different part of the country, is taking that job affecting them? Is it the best for my family? Often it could be. So that to me, family is everything, is looking at what's going to best support and suit my family, keeping everybody all together, keeping them all safe and sane, um, you know, and making sure that everybody is their own individual within the family. And that's part of the family, right? right? We're, all, we're all puzzle pieces. We all have to fit together and making sure that that gives time for myself to be myself for my wife to be herself. So that to me, family is everything is giving everybody that space to be themselves and making sure we're making the choices and decisions that we consciously think about how they will affect what the ripple effect is with the family. And when we say family is everything, often people, we have big families. So often people say my whole family, well, I married my wife. I didn't marry my father, right? Like it's, I have extended family, but my family is my family unit. The ones I live with, the ones who are dependent on me and I am dependent on, I said, let's be honest, I'm dependent on my kids, right? That's what family is, you know? Uh, they're not just our dependents. So that's what family uh, is everything means to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That it's making sure we make the choices and thinking them all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. I, I have to agree with that hundred percent. So raising a family as a full-time fitness professional, I mean, raising a family is not easy in any regard. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done it as a full-time fitness professional and so have you. And I want to ask you what that has been like for you and also what is the biggest challenge that that has presented to you? What's it been like? It's, it's hard, you know, uh, doing anything, having a full-time career and a family is challenging. Uh, the fitness industry on its own, when you really think about it, was, as far as I'm concerned, the first gig economy. You know, if I don't train this client, I don't get paid. If I do not teach this class, I don't get paid. So our choices come down to, and family is everything. So as a fitness professional, I have to think, what classes am I teaching? How many hours am I training? How often am I going to be there to make sure that everything I'm doing is able to support everybody along the way? Um, so it's making sure that if I'm deciding that I'm going to take that 5.30 a.m. class, that everything prior to that is going to be effective. I'm going to be up at 4.30 in the morning. That means I've got to go to bed at 9, 9.30 at night. That means, with that being said, I'm going to miss a hockey practice or a hockey game. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play when we're doing this to make sure that everything that we choose to do, you know, we are passionate people in the fitness industry. So we always give of ourselves to everybody, often neglecting ourselves mm -hmm. so you know that's one of the issues we have in the industry where because again if we don't teach we don't make money if we don't train we don't make money if i am sick for three days 
I lose three days of pay, you know? Uh, so it's really balancing it out with your kids and, and at first being okay. Well, years ago, my wife and I had our own gym, uh, you know, when you open up a business, it becomes your baby. You have a brand new baby and you got to make sure the baby lives and survives and is fed and all that stuff. You know, at the same time, we did have a baby, you know, he had a one-year-old and I remember as he got older, I literally worked. Our studio was about six kilometers, not even from our house. And I would say goodnight to him Sunday night and he would see me Thursday morning. And we lived in the same house and I worked six kilometers away. Uh, you know, he thought daddy worked out of town. So that was because I had to be there early. I was there all day long. And I was there late at night. You know, did it take a toll? It does. It takes a toll on, you know, your relationship with your kids, relationship with your spouse, your partner, relationship with friends. You know, there's a lot in there. You know, we as fitness professionals are physical. You know, a one hour class to teach is about an hour and 45 minutes of exertion. You know, so at the end of the day, we're exhausted. We don't want to talk. We've been talking to people all day long. We've been going, 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 going. So there's a hard balance. That's what I was looking for a long time ago, that work-life balance. Uh, so the, the life of a, of, a, of a fitness professional is long hours, always on weekends. And these aren't bad things. You know, we're passionate. We want to be part of it. You know, uh, every time I get a new job at a new gym, they would say, well, you know, are you okay working weekends? I'm like, not both days, but yeah, I'll do a full Saturday or full Sunday. That's the industry. That's what we, it's what we know. Um, you know, if you have that administrative role and you're still teaching Monday to Friday is your admin role. As far as I'm concerned, you're teaching on the weekend. You get to go, you get to go in, teach and leave, right? You don't spend your whole day there, but you get to teach. Uh, so it, it's a hard balance. And the expectation is that we are said, we give ourselves first, you know, the busy times for fitness professional are when other people are no longer working before work, after work, you know, so breakfast and dinners with the kids and the wife are out. Mm -hmm. um, long weekends, holidays, everybody else has a holiday Monday, instructors are teaching, trying to, you're like, cause they, cause their clients have the time. So it, it's a, di it's a difficult balance to do and being able to learn how to say no, right? You really have to balance that. But like I said, fitness is the very first or one of the very first gig economies where if you don't do it, you don't get paid. And that's a huge thing that people have to remember. So, you know, what it looks like is really exhaustion, you know, do as I say, not as I do, uh, trying to balance it out with our families and sometimes suck it up mm -hmm. and you're, you're going to have three or four hours of sleep tonight because you've got to go to hockey or you've got to go to gymnastics. You've got to do with the family. We just can't go into zombie, you know, apocalypse mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Boy. Um, um, my, my kids are grown now and, and the worst of that is over, but uh, I, I, I definitely have very vivid memories of the exhaustion. And even, even when I wasn't raising a family, you're right. I mean, the, the hours, you know, it's a time, time equals money kind of thing. And if you're not working, so it, it, it meant that you would take what you could get when you could get it. Um, right. And then often forced to make this horrible decision of money versus family. Um, and, and it, it's, it's a tough one for anybody, for anybody, for mm -hmm. sure. 
Uh, oh, it's, how- it's any industry. It's any industry, but ours is just one that we've, you know, there are umpteen amount of hockey tournaments I've missed or, and, you know, I used to say, don't worry, there's always going to be one more, but it's like, you know, what, to a kid, it's that yeah. moment that they're living in, you know, um, they haven't experienced 45 years. They've only experienced nine. So to them, this is their world. So yeah. it's a challenge. It's yeah. definitely a challenge. So how will you know um, when your kids are raised? And I mean, once a parent, always a parent. Um, mm-hmm. But but our role is obviously going to change. So when your kids are raised and they're out on their own and you look at your children, how will you know that you did a good job as a father? Okay, so my overall job as a father, we talked about this last week. My job, I believe a parent's job is not to raise good children. Um, our job is to raise good adults. And, you know, when they get older, it's, you know, they, you want them to be happy. You know, you want them to feel, be confident. Uh, these are the things we're striving to give our kids. Uh, you want them to have a great paying job and being self-sufficient, uh, which, you know, is difficult. There are, you know, it's difficult, but also exciting now uh, than when we were younger. Um, our kids, there are jobs out there that haven't even been thought of yet that mm-hmm. they will have access to, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a really exciting time for them. And I really do believe, despite the chaos that's going around us at the same time, that we are living in the best possible time, mm-hmm. um, especially for our kids. So, you know, their future, what I want to see is that they are happy, they're confident, they're self-sufficient, that they're living the life that they want, you know, without struggle. You know, we do that a lot with our, with our oldest one. I'm like, listen, you got, I go, you may not believe it now. I was once your age and I've been through these steps and I'm telling from my experience, you don't want to do what I did. You know, I made choices that made my life very challenging and very difficult. And, you know, that to me is making sure that if he wants to do this, then I will give him the tools to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I think in the beginning, they really need us for obviously their fundamental uh, necessities of life. And then I always say, as our kids get older, we don't need to rear them anymore. What we need to be is their soft place to land. So, Mm you know, there, there are always, there's still times when I still need my mother. Um, and I don't necessarily, you know, I don't need, I need life lessons, but in a different way, more from, you know, I've, I've, I've been there. I understand. And just, just be my soft place to land. So, um, what is, what would you say is the greatest gift that your children have given to you in helping you to grow? The greatest gift I would say is being able to being able being forced to look at myself. So, you know, and I'm not always good at this. I really am not. Um, my frustration level is really easy to tip over. Uh, but looking at some of the things each one of my boys does and even if I get frustrated, you know, often I'll get frustrated or upset or angry with them for doing whatever or the way they're behaving. And then, you know, an hour later thinking about it myself, thinking, wow, that was me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember that that was me, you know? So you really like, how, how did I react? So it's a lot of remembering that these things are, 
we've been there, right? And I've been there for the good and the bad. So the best thing they've given me, I mean, tons of love, this, that, it's great. Uh, but honestly, we know no matter how to really how bad parents can be, kids love their parents unconditionally, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is more of what they've given me is ability to slow down and reflect on who I am and how I react. And again, I'm learning it every day. I'm so grateful. And then at the same time, I'm so angry for some of the things I've done or the way I've reacted that were unnecessary, right? So over the top, because I've had my fill, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but being able to I think, just look internally and the changes I've made, like I said, like look at what is important to me and making sure that the decisions I make, how they're going to affect them. And again, there have been times I've made decisions where I know it wouldn't have a great outcome for the family, but for me personally, it would. And I've still done the decision, right? It doesn't mean I'm not going to do certain things, but it's meaning I'm going to reflect upon myself to say, okay, what are the things that will occur by doing X, Y, Z? Mm-hmm. And what will the outcome be? And it may not always be the best outcome for everybody, mm-hmm. but sometimes you kind of have to do it. So I think the greatest gift they've given me is being able to look internally and, yeah. you know, address who I am. Yeah. The gift of introspection. So my yeah. next question then is to, um, well, obviously, you know, not everybody has children for whatever reason. Uh, mm-hmm. So we will have listeners who you know, maybe don't have children and I want this to be as inclusive as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's a great gift um, and definitely comes from your children in a very profound way. How can someone who doesn't have children receive that same gift for their own life? Looking around at other people, looking around at the things that are happening in their life. You know, everything happens for a reason you know, if you don't pay your hydro bill for seven months, they're going to turn it off, right? That's a react, a a consequence for your actions. So you can get that same introspection and, and inward look by just looking at the things that you've done, looking at, you know, where you were, how you got there. You know, it's a lot of you know, self-realization. And if you need to, I say a bigger one, and this is whether you have kids or not, is get a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in therapy. I think that, you know, we get our hair done, we get our teeth checked, we go, we do the our nails done weekly or whatever it is, but we don't go and get our head checked, <laughs> right? Yeah. So having that ability as well is a big one. Often kids will make you look internally and that becomes your own sort of therapy. Sometimes they'll drive you to therapy. Um, (laughs) But I think that's a big one as well, where you can get out of it by looking at the decisions you make and, and stop and think about it for a while. You know, I, it's like that stop and smell the roses type of thing, you know, stop and look internally to give yourself that reflection as to what you, how you got here and what you need to do to, if you're looking to make change, right? You don't need kids to do that they make it a little bit easier. They're kind of like a living mirror mm-hmm. because they're yours, you know? And I, I look at my oldest one, how he reacts. I'm like, I remember years ago, um, my uncle had made a comment years and years ago. My wife something along the lines of me not being um, the, the greatest kid ever. <laughs> oh, I thought I was. Um, and I look at how my kids react and I'm like, wow, that must've been how, what he meant. Right. Yeah. You know, and so it's 
you have a you have a mirror that lives in your house with you. Um, so again, if you don't have that living mirror, it's just looking at your friends, you know, looking at how you react. Uh, if you have good enough friends, they'll often tell you how you're reacting, mm -hmm. right? I get to see that in my kids, how they're reacting, um, often mimicking me, right? Now that nature versus nurture. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause and effect, right? I mean, there's mm -hmm. feedback all around us if we choose. All around us. Yeah. It's just so much more vivid when it's coming from the people closest to us because yeah. we're so personally invested in those little human beings and, you know, we want to be the best influence we can. So I think that unless you're going to be honest with, uh, with yourself, um, and they help us to get really honest really mm -hmm. fast. <laughs> it's true. Very fast. So we all have a story about where we came from, our past, our parents, our childhood. How does that story, how do you feel that story affects how we feel about ourselves? And how did finding your birth family recently in the last couple of years, how did that change you? Okay, see, so I think, start with the first part, looking at, you know, how things affect us and, you know, um, again, years of therapy and everything else that I've been through in my life was kind of like came down to, boiled down to, um, okay, so your dad didn't give you enough hugs and your mom wasn't there all the time. Get over it. You're an adult now. Move on, right? Uh, we know that's the easy, simple way to put it. Uh, so I think the way we were raised, and, and I do believe that there's a, a fine line between overly loving, nurturing, smothering world uh, that you grow up in and the opposite of that cold, dark, you know. So I look at how I was raised. Um, you know, my mother was that loving, always there. My father was cold and, and not there, right? So it was like, you know, you kind of grow up where it affected me in terms of, and I've said this to my kids, guys, listen, I, I'm going with the way I was raised and what I, what I saw and learned. I'm sorry, right? I'm not there all the time. And I'm, I've got to give you more. I don't, I didn't have somebody who played catch with me. So it's harder for me to do it. Not that I don't want to, I visualize it. I got this whole big plan, but so that affects us big time. Um, you know, and then, you know, being adopted, that shaped me in a certain way. Like we talked last week, you know, being adopted is something that I've known my entire life. It was nothing new to me. Uh, you know, we, over the years, I've made many, many people uncomfortable. You know, they're like, wouldn't you want to find your birth parents? I'm like, no, I want to find the car I was conceived in. I bet you it's a classic or, you know, stuff like that because that was my norm, my dark humor, I guess. Um, and I would even say that, like, I do have a dark, witty sense of humor. And I'll almost guarantee you that was formed over those years of almost a protection. I do think dark humor is a protection. Uh, so I do think I protected myself in that regard. Um, so I do have that wall up, I guess. And I've thought about this as we spoke the other day, you know, then, you know, coming forward, uh, you know, last year having, doing a DNA test and uh, really just for the purpose of um, my wife asking me to do it because she had been saying for the last 16 years, you know, you should find your birth family, you should find your birth family. I had no desire to do it. 
And so I did this DNA test and then out of the blue months later, I get this email that I have a sister who's 10 years older than me who lives in Australia. Um, you know, and it wasn't that she moved there. She was born and raised and lives in Australia. And I responded to her saying, well, you know, thank you for the email, but you know, uh, I highly doubt there is a woman traveling the globe, having babies, like, you know, on different continents, 10 years apart. I, I don't think she's the adoption fairy. Uh, and in, you know, fine form, I get this email back, definitely from a sister saying, I, I understand what you're saying, but you're wrong. Like, it was like, boom, uh, I have a sister. She's just telling me so right there. Uh, and, you know, so we'd gone back and forth and, you know, things that definitely did change me with that, you know, that whole day when this occurred, you know, uh, growing up, knowing that I'm adopted uh, outside of my children who look like me, I have nobody that I've ever seen who looks like me. My children look like me, but that was years later. And then all of a sudden, uh, I get this picture from, you know, my sister out in Australia on the same day, this day we started talking. And it was a picture of this woman who I had to take a step back. I spoke to my wife. She's like, oh my God, um, it's you in drag. Like it was just amazing. Um, and then what was even more amazing is the picture of her was standing off to the side, holding her belly. Uh, she was pregnant and she was pregnant with me. So it was like, wow. I, so now I have this picture of a birth mother. Um, I know what she looks like. Uh, and now I have a picture of a birth mother who is pregnant with me. Like these are the normalcies that my friends all had right now, all of a sudden, you know, an adopted kid seeing a picture of their birth parent is one thing. Seeing a picture of their birth parent happy, she was very happy in the picture, uh, pregnant with me, which was just so not unnerving, but like, oh my God, oh my God. Uh, so it definitely did. I wouldn't, I don't want to say it completed me, but in hindsight, there definitely growing up was a hole, like a void. Uh, and this clearly filled that, uh, you know, knowing that I've got a sister and, you know, I've got a full line, a full heritage and a full family that's back where we're originally from in Scotland. I've got a great aunt in Scotland. I've got cousins in Scotland, you know, being Scottish and Irish. Um, so it's really amazing. And, you know, so I've, I've, it's funny, I found my birth mother, well, she's been passed, but I found my birth family on her side. And, you know, my mother here in Toronto, who adopted me, uh, she's passed away since uh, you know, years ago. But, you know, I didn't miss that point. You know, my father here is still alive. And I have no real desire, it's funny, to find a birth father. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not missing that. And I don't know why. You know, I'm not missing that component. Um, you know, one person said to me, well, chances are he doesn't know about you. He was pretty much, you know, the donor. <laughs> like pretty much how it was kind of put to me. Uh, so most cases, you know, and this is how I kind of think of it. I'm not missing out on that because he probably doesn't know or may not have known. Um, but my birth mother clearly did because she carried me for nine months. <laughs> right. So it's amazing that. Um, that happened. And then I finally got my adoption records and, you know, everything I was told growing up by my birth mother and this kind of solidified everything as well. And so I, by my adopted mother, uh, was I was born a Tobe and my name was, you know, it's on the registration of birth on my birth certificate that's handwritten. And I got a copy of it. And sure enough, my 
mother here in Toronto who adopted me, it's her handwriting, you know, on, you know, this document. Uh, but again, you know, and this didn't bother me at all. Uh, I had my birth mother's handwriting there where legally you have to name your child when they're born. And she had named me baby boy. So what I, which I find odd, my, kid, my kids love it. Baby boys, they literally would call me baby boy. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, I grew up, it, it solidified it. So again, changed me there and kind of made things normalized even more where I was told the truth. From day one, I was born Matthew Tobe. It's on your birth certificate. Yeah. And sure enough, there it was. And, you know, it was done private adoption. I was actually, this was all occurring prior to being born. Right. It was all signed, yeah. sealed, delivered, signed, waiting for the birth certificate to sign up. And then when my birth mother named me, it kind of, again, solidified the fact that I was born a Tobe because she had removed herself from it. And I, had, I don't have a problem with that. She had many, many options. Removing herself from any connection to me, there were other options she could have done. Yeah. So this removal was a little bit easier for me to handle because I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. For sure. So it's funny when, um, when we spoke last week and I had started the conversation uh, asking you about family being everything and we had the same conversation and then we got to the end of our chat around this point and a light bulb went off for me um, that family, what family is, is family is connection. Family is mm -hmm. connection and completion to some degree, which is why family doesn't have to be blood. No. Family is anywhere where you feel completed and connected. And you gave a great analogy of a puzzle, you know, and each piece is a, a piece unto itself. But when it comes together, it's just a better piece. Um, yeah. So clearly, you know, we started this conversation talking about our immediate families and trying to raise them in a profession where we're pulled away physically uh, often. And so we missed moments. Obviously, we can't go back in time. We can't get that time back. Same with your birth family. Clearly, you missed a lot of time and your life was no worse off for it. But now we're in a place where we just spent four months being isolated in our homes with our families if we were blessed enough to have them and we got to make up for some of that time yeah. with our children what a gift an amazing gift what a gift and now you've also been given a chance to make up for some time with a family that you didn't know at all mm -hmm. how do you make how have you made the most of the last four months with your immediate family and maybe parallel it with time that you've been able to spend with your birth family and what what brings the most meaning to that time that you've been gifted with well the, the biggest meaning they have is memories right um like i said my immediate family is my it's my bubble. It's my wife and my three kids. It's, you know, uh, my in-laws are part of that. They're very, very close to my family and my kids. Um, so doing things, you know, having a 16 year old at home, knowing that in a couple of years, and I, I will honestly say that like back in like December, January, I started panicking. 
like, oh my God, all those times when they were younger, people always said, you know, relish these moments because they're going to go by fast and you're going to forget what happened at the time. And I honestly was panicking, like, oh my God, he's going to be gone in a couple of years and that's it, right? Um, so I tried to invest more at the time with him, which is, you know, I got a 16 year old, that's not the easiest thing to do uh, when life was normal. And, you know, so I was able to put maybe a little bit more into my 13 year old and my 10 year old. And then this shutdown happened and now we're all locked in the house where now I'm no longer running out at 4.30 in the morning and coming home at nine o'clock at night, and missing meals. And so now we're doing breakfast together uh, outside of the fact that, you know, my teenagers have become nocturnal, um, you know, throughout this period, time period, but we're doing dinners and it wasn't the usual dinners where it was like the same three dinners recycled throughout the week. It was okay, well, let's look at a recipe. What do you guys want to try? We're going to make this, we're going to make this. And all of a sudden the big joke was like, Oh my God, daddy made four different meals in a row. Like it was crazy because it was always so fast. Um, and then trying to find the things, you know, we've realized we don't need to go on a family vacation to the Caribbean to make those memories. Those are great memories to have, but so are, you know, back in May, we're like, you know, we had, we used to make a hockey rink in the backyard. And I had all this leftover wood because we stopped doing that because our winters are not guaranteed anymore. I had all this wood and I had to fix the deck we have here a little bit. So I went out to Home Depot when they were open for, you know, curbside pickup, whatever. And I had given a whole list of the wood that I needed. And I came home with not just a couple of pieces to fix the deck. I came up with enough, with enough wood to make a brand new deck. Uh, so all of a sudden, my kids are now building a deck, not on our deck, but in the back of our backyard, kind of like a little sun deck away from the house. Now we're making those memories. Now we're doing something completely different. You know, now we're changing it up a little bit, you know, mm. uh, making those, making different memories. You know, my son uh, had his bar mitzvah back in May. So obviously we weren't going to go and have a big party and a big celebration at the, uh, the synagogue. It was, he did his bar mitzvah portion on Zoom, you know, and those are different memories that he's going to have that, there's a whole generation of kids that are going to have this, right? Mm -hmm. And then we'll go back to how we're doing it again. So there's so many things that uh, we are able to do in this time of just getting to my kids. My oldest one, again, he's nocturnal. So at 12.30 one night, I'm about to go to sleep. And he says, hey, Dad, you want to hang out for a bit? Remember a few months ago, I was panicking that I'm not going to have time with him anymore. Yeah, of course I'll spend time with you till 3.30 in the morning talking. And it was great. Yeah. You know, So it's capitalizing on that where again, we can't live in the past. So I can't, I'm not gonna regret my choices I've made in the past. They were done for a reason. But now in this moment here, right? This is what I can do. You know, my kids aren't gonna, they don't remember what happened 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. They're gonna remember however they wanna see it. But now they're gonna remember this. And this is the time that counts. Uh, and as for my, my birth family, because, you know, I had met my sister, she flew in after I, we contacted one another. My great aunt and, and my cousin flew in from Scotland, you know, months later. Uh, so we've had these moments where we've physically been in space together. And it's amazing, you know, have, we have mannerisms and being able to talk. And this is still family, right? Um, new family. It's like finding money in your pocket you didn't know it was there. Uh, but it was being able to check on somebody. Like, it's just, I felt almost more responsibility, you know. Two years ago, I had no idea who these people were. I never even thought about them. And now they are family that 
that I love, you know, it's, you know, but, but a different type of love, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. we don't have the memories we had, but we share that common bond, right? These are for somebody who's adopted having, and again, I do have a bloodline that goes from me down and my family here is my family and, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be blood to make them family, but from somebody who never had that blood with other people, it makes a difference again, right? You know, I'm not changing my last name, but I, do I find it cool that I'm Scottish? Yeah. I never thought, I honestly, I never thought that was a country I'd be associated with. Yeah. So in taking this time, these last few months of just building those memories and checking up on people and learning and it's simple stuff. You know, we have a WhatsApp with my family out in Scotland and Australia. And it's like, you know, we're sharing pictures of home renovations we're doing. Like, it's just very like, Hey, this is what's happening. Yeah. And how are the kids and how is this? So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's yeah. a long distance relationship. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Taking the time to connect. So I yeah. have two more, two more, uh, one, one more big question for you and then we'll do something fun. Okay. We'll do some, we'll yeah. do some fun rapid fire. Um, how can we ensure that fitness professionals of the future, the next generation of fitness professionals mm -hmm. will find a healthier way to live a good and balanced life, both physically and financially? I think the future coming out has, again, things that we did not have. And that is technology. You know, um, that makes a huge difference. They have the ability to work with clients in a brick and mortar gym based on the timing they want to do it. And then they're going to have the ability to train people online or teach online and do virtual things. So that changes everything where they're going to be able to be their best version of themselves and build up their following do I think a lot of people will fall the wayside and maybe choose a different direction or a different career? Yeah, but that's already happening, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, you know, the people like us who've done this for so many years, if we were starting now, we would have so many other opportunities where we would have stuck it out and been amazing at it. Um, so I think the future generation is finally going to be able to find that balance where their market is not tied solely to the driving vicinity of their gym that they work at. Mm -hmm. Their market is global. And that's mm -hmm. gonna be a huge difference for them to be able to provide that or film a whole bunch of series of videos and put that out online for people and, and give people the opportunity who can't afford it to do that. And the ones who want more to pay them for it and to pay them for their services, not as an influencer, because we all know that's a whole other um, podcast too, but this is more along the lines of educated, smart, certified, experienced people providing what they're good at and making a living out of it. And let's be honest, the same people that build up their personality and their, their following, uh, in a brick and mortar gym, that same personality will have to be online to connect with those people. And so those people will be the ones who do it really, really well. Um, you know, it's not just about the ripped abs, it's about the connections, it's about yes. the relationships you build with people. It's not just the vanity. And I think the generation now is so much smarter than we were. You know, they're, they've already learned things that it's, 
they are healthy and fit and look good because that's just their lifestyle. That's what mm -hmm. they do. And they're trying to educate other people. There's so much more knowledge than we had way back then. And they're going to be able to perform so much better and live a life they want to live, right? Because this generation seems to live more in the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully a little more planning going forward, but live more in the moment. And, you know, I think that'll be the biggest difference for the future generation of knowing what their value and their worth is. Yeah. And being able to provide that for people. Yeah. For sure. And we're here to support them if they need it. A hundred percent. That's listen. We've made the mistakes, right? Like that's yep. the whole thing. But the same thing uh, that we've done over the years, building up those classes, you know, to be that personality that, you know, you've got, you've got to be that personality number one to walk in a room. I have yet to meet a really good instructor or fitness professional who doesn't like being the center of attention. <laughs> like, you have to, um, you know, cause you can't turn around and say all eyes on me and not be comfortable with that. So that's a big one. And that's going to transfer over into those. And I, I, I follow tons of fitness professionals. Some of them I look at them like that. Yeah, listen, the workout's not great, but it's doing enough. But I love what they're doing on their social media. Mm -hmm. They're not just influencers. They're doing something. And I really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And we used to do that in, in the gym, right? They just get to do a lot more of it. And I think it's going to make a big difference where them filming them with their kids as they're trying to do a workout we can tell people about what it was like, but they're sharing that with people. Yeah. I think that's a cute. So they're getting their, their workout in. They're showing how difficult life is with children around and trying to balance up. So I think they're, they're going forward. I think they're going to benefit a lot differently than we are. And having that, like I said, I was searching for our, that work life, which is being a life balance. And I think that's what they're, they're already going to be getting into true. is that life balance. True. Very true. Good points. Yeah. Okay, we'll have some fun. Quick rapid fire. All good, let's do it. What's your morning routine? My morning routine, now or before? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's say now. Uh, now, I'm waking up a little bit later. I wake up about seven o'clock, maybe eight, depending on the day. Instead of 4.30, I'm trying to catch up on sleep still. Uh, wake up, go downstairs, my first thing, I grab coffee. I'm a big, big coffee person. And I just want to enjoy uh, my life in this moment and I mm. go outside, I sit on the deck and just ground myself. Then I move on. I start journaling. I start going through my day, uh, getting the kids together and usually find the workout later on in the day. Mm -hmm. I'm not waking up and running that workout. I have the time. I don't need to work out right away. Mm -hmm. get, right? Get. My first one is waking up and coffee. Mm -hmm. Me too. <laughs> uh, describe your, well, only a fitness professional or an instructor is going to really appreciate this, but it could be funny. Most awkward moment while teaching a class. Oh my God. My most awkward moment. I've, I've got many uh, awkward moments when you're teaching a class is the language, I'll make it simple, uh, the language we use. So um, I think teaching fitness professionals uh, or being a fitness professional and teaching classes uh, is really an HR nightmare when you kind of think about it. <laughs> the words we get to use, the exercises we have, um, you know, the things that we do uh, can be taken completely out of context if you didn't know what we were doing. So I think uh, turning it around to a uh, room full of primarily women, um, 
and the exercise I had to teach was a snatch and <laughs> doing that with a straight face was very, so, you know, you, you try to be as professional as possible and use certain words. Uh, it's just an exercise, but then a smile comes on my face because you realize, <laughs> Oh my God, how awkward is this? Um, you know, that's, I think the biggest challenge that I've had most embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, cause I've had many, you know, exercises where the routine was putting their minivans on their legs and they had to put their legs up in the air and do scissors. And I jokingly turned around in class and went, well, now I know how to teach a class staring at a ceiling, you know? <laughs> so, it's, so that's the biggest one you, you kind of, you know, yeah. embarrassing moments. <laughs> I can relate. Still can't teach Things a stability that, ball class without making jokes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> What's your quirkiest habit? My quirkiest habit? Oi. I do this with my fingers. I tap my fingers. It's a really weird habit I have. I just mm -hmm. tap my fingers one to another um, all the time and it gets worse if I'm nervous. Mm. So my wife will always, she actually, she'll ask me a question and it's funny if she's looking for an answer, uh, she'll look at my hands and she'll say, what you so nervous about? No, so it's a weird quirky tell Ooh. almost, but, yeah. but it's like tapping my, each of my fingers together always. Uh, is a biggest quirky habit that I've got. That's funny. Um, yeah. What has been your favorite thing about being off during COVID? It's, honestly, um, not rushing. We're, we don't need to be in a rush. There's nowhere to go. I know we all want life to go back to normal. Um, mm -hmm. I'm tired of saying the new normal. This is just normal. This is just, this is normal. This is what life is like. So waking up and not waking up at four o'clock or four thirty in the morning, um, taking the time to make my coffee. I haven't been in a Starbucks since March and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Spending that time and slowing down. We're back in January. I'll guarantee you anybody we asked, anybody we knew would all, we're all, we were all saying the same thing. Oh, all I do is rush, 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 rush. I wish things were to slow down. Mm -hmm. And we got it. I honestly think that this is honestly at times divine intervention saying, okay, slow down. Too many of you are on medication. Too many of you are stressed out. Too many heart attacks. Too many this. Too many antidepressants. Slow down. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one thing that I'm enjoying the most. That's slow down. Yeah, it's been really great. Okay, last question. Uh, this is probably something uh, you and I have in common. I've seen from your social media posts, you post the stack of books on your nightstand. Yes. I am famous for always being in the middle of multiple books at one time. Uh, mm -hmm. Name three uh, books that you're currently reading. Three books that I'm currently reading. I am reading Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I've read it a few times. I, I always go back to it. Uh, as of today, because my son is doing grade 11 summer school, I have decided to help him. So I'm reading <laughs> Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut, which I've not read in years. Yeah. So because I suggested it to him as the book he should read, I told him I would do it with me if he has questions. And my last one is The Alchemist, which I love by Paulo Coelho. Um, and then I'm going to throw one more in there because it's one that I'm reading is John Gordon, uh, The Power of Positivity, who I think, again, amazing, amazing stuff. Good stuff. Good reads. Good reads. Yeah. Matthew, you're awesome. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Always good me. conversations with you. And this episode will be out next week. So I really look forward to sharing it with everybody. Thanks Thank for being you. here. Right. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we will talk soon for sure. Definitely. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Stay tuned for great new episodes airing every second Thursday on SheilaCorneal.com.